Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Kevin Miller. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be on. Glad to have you. Uh, Kevin uh, is with Neat Company. He joined Neat Company earlier this year. We'll explain what Neat does. You may have heard of their scanning device. A lot of us have as small business owners, but we'll get into that. Uh, He currently serves as the chief marketing officer overseeing all of Neat's brands, marketing, and revenue generation. Prior to joining Neat, uh, Kevin was a co-founder and CMO at SalesFusion, uh, which was a SaaS marketing automation solution for mid-market companies. And uh, SaaS, we'll get into a little bit about what that is if you haven't heard that term before, but it's software as a service, meaning that it's on the cloud. Um, Kevin played an integral role in building the brand at SalesFusion and helped lead the company from $0 to over $8 million in annual revenue. Uh, he has served in multiple marketing, sales, and demand generation roles and was the principal of his own demand generation consulting firm that helped SaaS companies develop modern lead gen programs. As a veteran of the SaaS world, Kevin brings years of experience in B2B marketing with a deep understanding of the marketing process, systems, and strategy relative to growing a SaaS company, or a SaaS business rather. Uh, but in this episode, we're going to get his input on on SaaS systems. A lot of us as small business owners are a little afraid uh, sometimes or hesitant to use cloud-based solutions. So we'll talk about that for a moment. But then we're going to do a deep dive on managing documents. It's what Neat does with their solution. So we'll touch on that. But we'll talk about in general how small business owners can benefit with that level of automation and technology and what are those benefits? What are we missing out on if we're not using those types of technology? So we'll talk about that. We'll share some specific examples of how customers are doing that. So with that, Kevin Miller, once again, welcome to the show. Again, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Henry. So just curious, what what brought you over to NEAT? Uh, mostly it was it was an interesting situation with Neat. It's a company that had, um, as you mentioned, sold for a very long time um, devices coupled with software, um, scanners, personal scanners, handheld scanners with their expense tracking software. They sold it very broadly across uh, retail, um, anything from scanning your kids' report cards to businesses scanning receipts. And they've made a shift over the years, uh, mostly given um, things that are happening in the market away from the manufacturing and sales scanners to the pure software side of the fence and the SaaS side of the fence. So I, I thought it was a really interesting opportunity to kind of help shepherd a company away from one um, uh, strategy uh, to a net new strategy, which is what we're doing today with you know behaving more like a, a traditional uh, software as a service company selling to small businesses. So I, I found it to be uh, not an easy challenge, but, but a very interesting challenge. It's one of those things that you probably don't get too many opportunities in a career to do something as unique as this. So that, that originally, it, it really what, what drove me to it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's a compelling opportunity. And the opportunity is significant with what uh, what can be done to automate all of this paper that we still have within a business, even a small business, maybe even more so a small business. Yeah, no question. Uh, that often doesn't have all of the uh, systems in place to try to automate things. 
Uh, but before we get there, what I wanted to touch on was just SaaS in general, software as a service, cloud-based solutions. You know, when when I started in business, first of all, everything was manual. I've been around that long. And then, we, you know, we had POS systems and systems we installed on our side of the firewall. And even myself, as much as I've adopted SaaS and I actually had a career selling software there's still a part of me that's like, ah, I don't want to lose that control. What about security? What about that vulnerability? So I'd like to get your insights, your thoughts. You've been in the business for a while. You work with customers every day that probably have that concern. Um, talk to me about that, about losing control and security. And what are the things that I'm missing out of if I don't take advantage of SaaS-based solutions? Yeah, and and it is a common uh, fear uh, among a lot of folks. You're, you're taking things out of your control and you're putting it into this mythical cloud, which nobody really knows where that is, although 99% of the time it's an Amazon data center. Um, but really, there is still quite a bit of that. But but that that fear um, is definitely beginning to, to mitigate and, and kind of go away as a new generation of small business owners have grown up with an iPhone uh, in their hand. And they're used to using apps that, that aren't something that they physically install, or they're used to using apps um, on an iPhone, on an iPad, uh, or other mobile devices. So the mobile devices are actually helping to kind of drive um, the adoption of software as a service because people are just generally used to going in and accessing something, whether it's online banking, um, whether it's paying bills or things along those lines. People are, are starting to come around to the notion of of doing business in the cloud. And they may not know they're using the cloud. They just know that they're using the internet. Um, and those two are really one and the same for the most part. But the barrier is definitely starting to come down. However, we do see a significant holdout of folks who do like to have uh, desktop operating software. It's like, for example, we, we integrate very much with, with QuickBooks. And their QuickBooks Online is a wildly popular product among small business owners. Um, but there is a significant portion of QuickBooks' uh, customer base that still use QuickBooks Desktop. And it's it's the age-old adage, you can take my desktop app when you pry it out of my cold, dead hands. They don't want to get rid of it. They're used to it. They like it. They feel secure with it. Um, but we are beginning to see that shift, that paradigm shift. People are just generally getting used to it. And I, and I really do believe that the, the use and, and scope and breadth of applications that people can use on a mobile phone or, or a mobile device are, are really driving that for sure. And the other thing is, like you mentioned, you know, small businesses more than anybody else are inundated with paper because they oftentimes don't have the resources or the budget to install a lot of um, complicated software on desktops. You know, that's not an easy thing. So as they start to feel better about using the cloud and they realize that they can go in and have a pretty robust piece of software working in a matter of minutes on, on the web, um, they're starting to definitely come around to that. Yeah, especially when you look at it that traditionally, and especially, you know, I come from the corporate world, a lot of my clients do as well. And and so we we know we coming from that world, how long it would take to implement a solution and the complexities and all of those things. And when you can essentially click a button and be ready to go, that's a tremendous advantage that, that sways us. But uh, what about security? You know, there was just recently uh, another security breach, a hacking issue. How, how should I be worried and how should I look at that now I've got these potentially confidential documents out there on the cloud? Yeah, and, and those those situations, what happened, which is extremely unfortunate, um, and the sensationalism of it in the press will, will definitely carry on for quite a while. Um, those things do hurt um, the perception of using applications uh, over the web, um, <clears throat> and, and it takes time to recover 
uh, from those. Uh, you know, I would say if if you're banking in any way, shape, or form, and, and you're using any kind of web banking, or if you're paying any kind of bills uh, online, um, then you're probably taking an equal to higher risk uh, in those applications than you are storing documents. Um, in the cloud, the thing with the the storage of documents in the cloud is everything's backed up. So it's not necessarily people going in and hacking and getting personal information. What people tend to fear more than anything else is if I stop doing business with you, if I sign up with a SaaS company and I load up a whole bunch of invoices and documents and expenses, and then we cease to do business together, then what, right? What's that look like getting my information back, right? So the SaaS, the onus is on the SaaS companies to reassure during the onboarding process and during the selling process, um, that people will always be able to get their information out no matter what. It's not so much that information just goes away because you can easily mitigate that with explaining the procedures for backing data up no matter what happens. If, if a tornado were to hit a data center, that data center is backed up in six other locations around the country. Um, so losing information isn't necessarily the fear. It's how do I get my information back if we cease to do business? And it's really, that's more of explaining what you do in those cases. And that's a question that we get asked probably eight times out of 10 when people are inquiring about software. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So on the flip side, we talked about the benefits of implementation. We're not installing something locally that, that requires technical expertise that now I have to have some level of infrastructure for you touched on accessibility, the, the mobile access, especially if I have a business where I have people distributed in any fashion at different locations or out in the field. Sure. That's another thing that really a, a cloud-based solution supports uh, maintenance. I don't have to worry about the, the next version or am I behind or installing all those kind of things. Um, and then licensing often is at a much more accessible price point for small business owners, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, probably over the lifetime, um, you know, it, it, it's probably equal. But in the beginning, the upfront costs are very low. I mean, if you were to walk in in, 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 in days of past and buy a piece of a software package to bring home and install at a Staples or whatever, you may pay three, four, five hundred dollars for it. Whereas now I pay nine dollars and I'm up and running. Um, <clears throat> I'm up and running with minutes. So the, the upfront costs are typically lower. It's more of that recurring subscription uh, over time, which by and large is usually just essentially the carrying feeding of that database and making sure that that database is accessible, secure, and, and adding new features to it all the time. So, and I would tell you that, you know, moving from desktop world to SaaS world is, is a great thing on both sides of the fence because if anyone's ever got a new version of Microsoft back in the day and all of a sudden the five other applications you had stopped working, uh, managing operating system compatibility was the real driver behind moving applications to the cloud because it does away with that. And uh, when you can remove that that nightmare from the equation, uh, it, it does make life a lot easier on both sides of the fence for the consumer as well as for the um, for the manufacturer of the software. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into the whole managing of, of documents. Uh, I'd like to start with just if you could define for me typically what is the business problem, especially for small business owners that you all are solving. Yeah, and really it's 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 all kinds of, of documents. So, you know, we talk a lot about expenses and spend management, but the reality is the average small business produces a wide array of different types of documents, whether it's quotes, invoices, expenses, um, in the case of we do a lot of work with, let's say, contractors and, and people who, you know, have to have design documents that have to go out to, to, to customers. It's a wide array of different um, types 
of, um, of documents. And the main business problem is getting those digitized in a way um, that makes them searchable. It's one thing to just digitize, to scan a document and throw it in a folder and put it on and put it, you know, put it up there. But one of the things that that we do is we make them, we read the information in the actual documents itself. So that if I had a receipt and on that receipt, uh, the word, you know, let's say we'll take the contractor example, you know, the word lumber is in there. Uh, once that's OCR'd, um, which is optical character recognition, uh, and stored in an actual database, if I'm sitting down with my accountant, you know, come April and I have to go back and find a receipt, um, it's really, I can type in the word lumber and it'll bring up every expense where every document has the word lumber in it. So it's, it's not only just digitizing the information, that's pretty easy. It's actually reading the information in the documents and making it usable for something. Um, so that, that, that's a big biz prop. So we digitize, we, we get rid of the, the huge pile of paper, uh, and then we make the information searchable. We make the information usable for the business. That, that's, a, that's a big advance. Right. And that, that's what's different from me just scanning a document and including as an attachment in QuickBooks, for example, right? True. I mean, we will integrate with QuickBooks and we push information into QuickBooks. So we kind of build that connectivity already. But the reality of the situation is scanning is, is one um, way of getting a document. And, and it's actually not even the most popular way anymore, which is one of the reasons Neat decided to not manufacture scanners anymore. Um, email in, direct upload, scan, and most importantly, the little phone on your uh, the little camera on your phone that being one of the most common ways that people get information and so the variety of ways of getting information into a system um, is what drives applications like neat uh, in the first place so we we can accept documents from virtually any way a scanner a phone an email uh, a direct file upload etc so what are people doing now with the the hard paper the source document it, it it really depends. I think that's more of a personal preference than anything else. Maybe they'll they'll store and archive the paper, or maybe they'll just they'll just get rid of it. A lot of times, if we're dealing with people who are in the field, and that is a huge huge uh, sector of our business, they just throw them away. I mean, the IRS will accept that scanned image uh, of a of a receipt come uh, audit time. Um, so once that once that image is digitized and we retain a, uh, an image copy of it, uh, it's as good as the real thing. Yeah, so when you say throw it away right away, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't throw it away, right? Because I'm old school and I'm thinking I need it because what if it didn't scan right or what if you know I needed a backup? So I'm curious as to what you're observing small business owners doing on that. What is the what are you seeing as a best practice right now? Right? We're we're still the kind of, I think, because we're kind of in a in a transition phase where you have people like me that probably account for most of the business ownership that are they see I see the advantage of it, but I still want to hang on to this paper, right? Yeah, and it's it's a it's a personal preference for any one small business, but yeah, we, you will see the folks. They'll basically have the cardboard filing boxes, um, you know, on maybe a monthly basis or a weekly basis when they're doing their quote unquote bookkeeping routines, and once they're doing their scanning, etc., of their documents into the application, then they'll take those paper documents and and basically put them in a, a file with a with a label of the month and the date on it, uh, and they basically have that physical archive that they can they can certainly retain um, <clears throat> if they need to go back to it. It's it's the question of you know, finding things, right? It's much easier to find things in, in, in the SaaS world than it is digging through a box, but they will keep the box and, and they'll keep it, you know, they'll keep it in their garage or whatever. Uh, if they ever, for whatever reason, uh, needed to go back and get it, we rarely find that to be the case. And then some folks will, in fact, just do away with them altogether. So it, it, it's a personal preference more than sure, anything sure. else. All right. So let, let's dive a little, you talk about, uh, on the website, I read, it says, uh, as the hub of your company's bookkeeping 
It helps you uh, keep your small business um, small business small and efficient. Ooh, I stumbled over that. What I want to dive into is from a bookkeeping. Let's talk about that process specifically. And certainly, we, we've got we've touched on that a lot of environments have people out in the field. They might be remote. They might be home office. Whatever the case might be. Walk us through how some of this is being used to make that bookkeeping process more efficient. When you think about bookkeeping as a as a business task, uh, it's a very onerous task to say the least. Because essentially, what it is is it's, it's it's taking what you have on a piece of paper and putting it into something digital, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet or whether it's keying it directly into a QuickBooks. And a lot of times, um, small business owners. Um, sole proprietors or micro businesses. Um, this takes up an inordinate portion of their administrative time uh, because it is a lengthy process to rekey information in, uh, to scan and, and file and, and push documents uh, from one place to the other. Um, it's it's a very onerous task. So there's a lot of focus right now on the on the term automated bookkeeping, meaning we could take the most painful parts of the bookkeeping process and automate them as, as best you can. So I'll give you an example of this. Um, let's say I'm a painter, I've got a painting business and I go into Sherwin-Williams and one of the things that our system will do is we assign an email uh, to you directly hooked into the NEAT system. So it would be like Kevin at neat.com. And I can register that email address at the point of sale with my somebody I buy from regularly. So now I can completely do away with the paper receipts. And what happens is when I pick up my 10 gallons of paint, uh, Sherwin Williams just emails the invoice or the receipt directly into NEAT. And, and I completely remove paper from the process. So there's cases like that where we focus on taking away the hardest part of bookkeeping, which is the actual rekeying and recording of information, and we try to automate as much of that as we can. That's expensive work. If you don't do it yourself, if you go out and you hire a bookkeeper to do that information for you, even if it's for, if it's for four to six hours a week, you know, you're looking at anywhere from probably $25 to $45 per hour for that. Um, or what we see even more often, when we talk to small accounting firms, which which are typically partners with us, nine times out of ten, they will tell you the biggest nightmare for them is that once a year, their customer comes in with that brown cardboard box full of receipts and invoices and dumps it on their desk, and they say, here, you handle this. You worry about this. And then it's up to the accountant to actually go through that process of, of reeking, organizing, filing, and, and getting everything in order. However, they're going to charge you for that. You know, accountants are very much like lawyers. They're on the clock. They're, they, they work by the hour. So there's a cost factor that we try to take out of this as well. So we try to remove as much of that onerous uh, manual task of bookkeeping, automate it wherever we can so that we can free the business owner up to focus on what they love, which is probably running their business and growing it. And where they can add value. Such a bookkeeping is a no to very little value task. But uh, in the example there where I'm still not uh, understanding completely is I get it. It gets emailed. It goes into the neat system. How does it go from there into QuickBooks, for example? Yeah, so like most systems, especially SaaS-based systems, um, <clears throat> you use what are called web services, which is basically a terminology for how you connect one application to another application. So the QuickBooks Online example would be that we've worked with QuickBooks, we're a partner of theirs, and we've pre-built the integration. So as you load information directly into Neat, and we do our validation and our OCR process and all that good stuff, um, it will automatically take that information and then create a record of it inside of QuickBooks, which is typically a manual process. So that's why I say we remove the manual process. So we take the process of gathering the information digitally, 
organizing it, recognizing it, categorizing it, knowing, for an example, that an invoice is an invoice and a receipt is an expense, and then we create that corresponding record uh, inside of QuickBooks so that it's there. So when you're ready to run your your reports and whatnot inside of QuickBooks, the information is just already there. And that integration exists for the desktop version of QuickBooks as well? It does. That was a big deal for us because there's no other solution on the market like Neat that actually integrates with the desktop version. Part of that's because we still have legacy desktop applications as well. So we know that world a little bit better than most companies that have just, let's say, started within the last few years and are 100% SaaS. Because we have a desktop history behind us, we were able to go out and build a routine where our desktop app, which is, is still out there, um, and our SaaS app can communicate uh, with QuickBooks Desktop, and, th- and that was huge um, for us. It's a unique um, strategic advantage for Neat. Um, we're heading out to the QuickBooks show in San Jose in a, in a couple of weeks, and and there's going to be a lot of chit chat out there about that. But yes, we do. We we support both the desktop and the online version. So if a document comes in, let's just stay with the invoice example, and uh, it can't be interpreted for whatever reason, the quality, it's missing data, where does that go into a queue that's uh, the held document that then I review and identify further? How does that work? I'm just curious. There's a couple, yeah, and, and that is a very common occurrence because, I mean, there's limits to what a computer can do, right? Sure. So, and if you have something that's crinkled, faded, the ink is bad, et cetera, there's going to be cases where we simply can't interpret the information on that piece of paper. So there's two things that can occur. There's this, uh, there's a service and other vendors have this as well, uh, there's human verification where we use an outsour- outsourced, um, almost like a call center, if you will, where you put something into a queue and then somebody, a human being, will go in and look at that and rekey that for you. It's a service. And that's done document by document by document. And NEAT includes this with what we call our NEAT Verify solution and, and we give every customer a certain amount of those credits per month and you can buy more if you want or you could do it yourself um, so you have that choice I can either pay neat to have uh, one of their people do it or I can I can go ahead and do the, the whole thing I'd, I'd get some kind of alert that hey there is a document that we can't interpret you need to go look at it um, usually with the way it works is if you, you, you pretty much turn it on, if you will, and then you can identify which type of documents you want looked at. Um, and then it just it's part of the regular upload process. So from the time a document gets scanned or emailed or a photo uh, in, where it would normally take the computer, let's say, two to three minutes to do it, it may take six to ten minutes for the, for the human being to get through it and then make it available to you. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast, and I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are experiencing, and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching session, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. All right, we, we've touched on a couple examples. I want to talk about a couple more, but generally speaking, what are some of the ideal industries that this solution is a great fit for? 
obviously any industry that generates a lot of expenses. So the ones that, that are, tend to use this the most are going to be the trades, right? So that's going to be contractors, deck builders, painters, you name it, electricians, plumbers, because they have lots of materials that they purchase project for project for project. And those materials equal receipts or they're in the field and they're accumulating mileage. Um, they're buying lunch for employees, you know, at a site, a landscaper, etc. So anybody in that kind of field work, Lots of receipts, lots of expenses, lots of materials costs are ideal customers for us. Transportation, independent truckers who are out, obviously, with the mileage. Um, so those type of small businesses are absolutely ideal. Um, <clears throat> other areas where we're strong are going to be the independent contractors, right? The 1099ers, which is what I was when I was a consultant. Um, and, you know, they need to have a couple of applications for invoicing, for managing their expenses. Um, they're high risk for audit probably the highest risk for people getting audited by the IRS. I was audited by the IRS twice when I was an independent consultant. Um, so good record keeping is the business driver there. Uh, even if you may not have 10,000 receipts per month, um, you better have your receipts in order and backed up and verifiable if the IRS comes knocking, which they, they often do in those type of positions. And then general small businesses who are generating lots of invoices. And that could be small retail. Um, <clears throat> it could be interior decorators. Um you know, those type of things. Yeah. Excellent. And so let's talk about one example specific I saw on the website, RDS plumbing. So typical small plumbing business. If I understood it right, they had about 2,500 documents a year that they were managing. Again, it's a lot of what you're talking about. I'm getting, I'm buying this, I'm buying that, I'm getting receipts, I'm invoicing, I'm, I'm doing all these things. And, and the big thing, the big takeaway is a small business owner we get bogged down by all of this paperwork and it's usually at night and on the weekends when we're having to take care of all of this. Sure. Uh, so just walk us through that example or a business like that and how they've applied this technology to streamline their business. Yeah. And, and RDS is, 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 is very typical of the type of a uh, neat user. In fact, I'd say their document count is probably low uh, compared to, to most these days. Um, but the, and, and is the organization of that information. Oftentimes it's a spouse, right? So if, if I'm the plumber and, and, you know, and my wife is doing this for me or doing it at night, or worst case, I'm doing it myself instead of playing with my kids or going out and, you know, enjoying life. Um, so their day never ends, if you will. But it really is about, you know, organization, the filing system, the way that NEAT makes all the documents searchable. So you can go in and if I ever have to look for a contract or I ever have to look for a receipt or if I ever have to look for an estimate for a customer, um, <clears throat> it's very easy to go in the system and find those things. So again, it's not only just the digitization of the documents, but how you use those documents. And then there's collaboration. So when you get into kind of our business level tiers of the app, that plumber can go out and, and directly email his estimates or her estimates right from the application to their customers uh, directly from it or share it uh, with their customers uh, directly from it. So there's that collaboration uh, aspect that goes with it too. But yeah, I mean, they're they are absolutely typical. Um, they're out scanning the receipts when they go to their supply house. Um, they're putting all their estimates in. They're organizing their estimates by project, by year, by month. Um, so they, they were a prototypical example of a great way yeah, to absolutely. use the application. Yeah. And again, it's not just about the the accounting part of it, although that's a huge part of it, the bookkeeping component of it, as we've already talked about. It's also just about organizing all of these documents. And again, depending on the type of business, we might have 
other types of documents. For example, I owned one of my previous businesses was a sweet salon business where we had to manage all of these individual leases with our tenants. We had a hundred plus tenants and we, all of that was paper-based, right? So we would make a copy that we would give back to the tenant and we'd have a copy in the file folder. And we always had to go back to that paper copy and hope that it was there, although we were pretty good about it. But that's another example where we could have scanned all of that, make it searchable and readily accessible from anywhere. No question and share it. And, and ironically enough, one of our other top verticals is real estate and property management for that exact reason. The amount of physical papers and the, and the, the importance of those papers <laughs> that you always have to go back to is 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 true. So yeah, real estate and and property management is is a huge vertical for us, and for exactly why you why you mentioned. Uh, who are your biggest competitors in the market? Um, I'd say right now probably I'd say Receipt Bank's a a, a good competitor, a good strong competitor of ours. Uh, they do a lot of things similar to what we do. As their name would imply, Receipt Bank, um, they're really, really big on um, getting expenses in and managing expenses and generating expense reports. So they probably lean a little bit more towards the expense tracking side, um, whereas we, while we do the expense tracking side, we also do some of the other aspects of the bookkeeping processes as well. But yeah, I'd say they're a strong competitor. What's nice about it is they just received $50 million in funding, which you know tells us that the market looks at this quote-unquote automated bookkeeping space um, and people are investing in it because they believe that the time is right for small businesses to finally come off of paper altogether and 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 start to move in this direction and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of trending towards that so uh, good good competitor good company and and uh, we look forward to many years of, of knocking heads with them yeah I, I gotta think that it's still a small percentage of small business owners that have applied any kind of technology to handling this problem no question no question but you know it's 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 one of those things is you know especially in certain industries if you get into a certain industry and and you, your name gets out there People say, well, you know, if I'm getting ready to start my uh, my landscaping business, these are the things I need, and I need something like this, and I need a, you know, in addition to a landscape design software application, etc. So uh, it starts to become that kind of mind share where people know this is just one of those tools that I need when it's time to build a build my own business. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to start becoming one of those essential tools that you, you can't do without. Yeah, and it's often not the sexiest one. I mean, there's certainly tools out there that are that are super sexy that are that are kind of like uh, you know growth you know marketing tools. I know it tends to be a little bit more sexy than back end accounting tools, but this is one of those things where once you go through the pain of it um, and you realize the amount of paper that you never thought you were going to have to deal with in your life, or when somebody's kid is tugging at their shirt and they're sitting at that computer desk at night um, and they want to play with their kid and, and they're sitting there dealing with a, a box of paper. That's when this stuff comes into play, and that's when people really start to realize the 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 value of the of these type of tools. Absolutely. If you think about invoicing alone, meaning uh, getting invoices out to your customers, this is such an area of I see it again and again as a consumer as well as being a consultant. How many people are behind in their invoices? Which is how they're going to make money, right? Simply because they don't have the time at midnight to sit down and get everything together to send out invoices. Well, I mean, if you're if you're a deck builder, you, you know, what do you think about day in and day out building great decks? You're not thinking about, you know, all the little minutia, the accounting and the paperwork. The reason these type of companies go out of business at such a high rate is they lose visibility of their spend. Uh, they don't have basic um <clears throat> 
basic income discipline. You know, they have to go out and they have to buy materials in order to do a job, right? The, the customers aren't going to pay them upfront for the work. So they have to front the money oftentimes. Most of these people do for materials. So if they're not rigorous in keeping track of what's going out and what's coming in, they go out of business. It's just that simple. And they have a very high failure rate. Um, you know, independent contractors have an extremely high failure rate because of that. They just don't have income discipline. So this... That's actually one of the harder things. It's not so much telling people SaaS is safe. It's getting people disciplined enough to get into the routine where every time they pick up a receipt, they're snapping a pick of it. Uh, every time they're sending an invoice out, the, the invoice is, is being uh, properly stored in log. So that kind of income discipline really is something that we try to teach our customers here through onboarding. Um, and we try to get our accountant partners to teach people to do that as well. But it's a huge risk to the business, bigger risk than audits. Absolutely. Yeah, no, the, the whole managing the cash flow and, and figuring out getting that money back whenever you have any kind of a receivables you've got to be on it or it will kill mm -hmm. your business yeah no um, question i'm looking at the pricing online so obviously there's there's definitely a low price point the essential plan is 667 a month uh, what can I get started with with that basic plan for six sixty seven a month? Yeah, I mean, think of that as just basic, you know, uh, getting some documents digitized and stored. Um, that's still for us uh, use a combination of like an independent contractor, a single sole proprietor who probably doesn't have a lot of transactions per month. Maybe you're a web designer and you're actively working on two or three projects per month and, and you're storing up your documents and, and keeping them um, safe. Uh, it could be disaster recovery. I mean, you think about what's going on in Texas and in Florida right now, just the ability to get documents uh, digitized and stored. Um, you know, that's, that's a good tool for that. When you get into more of the, you know, I've got two people using the app. Um, I've got collaboration. I want to have email in, email out. You know, we start getting into more of those bookkeeping quote unquote tasks. That's when you start to get into the, into the premium and the business additions. Or if I need integration to accounting software like QuickBooks, that's when you go from, let's say, a single user using this for a part-time home business to this is my life and my business and I need to make sure that I do things properly. That's when you start going into the middle tier and the upper tier. Right, and the the premium is nine. Excuse me, nine ninety nine a month, and the business is twenty eight three a month, uh, billed annually. Uh, so, but again, there's no commitment beyond that annual commitment to no there's like? monthly there's monthly plans as well um there's discount like most SaaS companies what they'll do is you, you could pay month to month no big deal uh, and the monthly rate will typically be higher so instead of 999 it's let's say it's 1495 um or if you want you can pay a year in advance for 119 bucks and then you're getting a 10 a 15 20% discount so you know it's good for the SaaS company because we get to recognize uh, the revenue, you know, when we have to talk to a board of directors and investors, um, from the end user standpoint, they're getting a, a price break. And this isn't the type of a solution where people try it and leave, try it and leave. Because when you think about it, what you're doing is you're loading critical business documents into an application. So um, we usually give people the opportunity to try it for 30 days. We want you to be comfortable with it. We want you to like it because this is not the type of thing where, yeah, I'm going to try this app out for a day, couple of days or a week, and then I'm going to go and try something else out. No, you're getting this app with the intent of using it long term and this being you know, kind of a core repository to help me run my business. So. And so you touched on this when at the outset, it's a year later, I've got about 5,000 documents scanned and I don't want it anymore. How do I, do you give me a copy of those documents? How do I get that data back? 
Yeah, there's actually like it's it's a routine which will actually bring it all down and drop it into a file folder on on a desktop application. So you can just bring it all down kind of in one uh, export routine. And and again, any SaaS company worth their salt will uh, will make sure that we have an out for people because that's something that you really have to do. And good good business practice, good relationship, good conscience. You have to make it very easy for people to get their information out, especially this type of information. We definitely cover off on that real well. All right, Kevin, we've talked about various different scenarios from a business perspective where this type of technology helps. What what else? Is there anything I missed, anything I didn't ask about that you're seeing your customers apply this technology to? You know, it's it's it, the collaboration piece is definitely starting to kind of grow in popularity, the ability to share information directly from the system. And, and I liken it to like almost if you're a Google Docs user, right? So if I use any of the Google applications, the, the, pe the reason people use those applications is to collaborate oftentimes. How can I share something with somebody without downloading it, attaching it to an email, et cetera, et cetera. People are starting to really kind of grow up in a much more collaborative computing world because of Google. Um, so that ability to collaborate and share information is huge for a lot of businesses, especially ones that are sharing estimates, designs, uh, contracts, things along those lines. That ability to just share right from the application uh, is a really big, uh, is a big win for certain, certain market sectors. And, and it can't, can't be understated how important that can be for certain, sec certain sectors. And you touched on some examples there, but, but for example, if I, if I got an invoice or something from the field, I could collaborate back and forth saying, I don't understand this or clarify that, or why did we use this rate? I could go back and forth either internally or externally. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. All right. Excellent. All right. We'll start to wrap it up, Kevin. Um, sure. Business books. Everybody's and I am always interested in what people are reading. Is there a book that you've read recently or currently uh, that you would recommend? Yeah, I've read um, Scaling Up. Uh, by Vern Harnish. Um, Vern's written a couple of books. Uh, his first one, which weighs back, was uh, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. Um, scaling up is basically, you know, building uh, building a meaningful business. It's, it's kind of that growth stage. A lot of times, you know, the, one of the big challenges with, with a business, any size, small or otherwise, and I went through this at Sales Fusion, was it's it's the, the wild roller coaster ride of getting your first, you know, five customers, 10 customers, 50 customers, 100 customers. That's often not the hardest part. It's the second phase is the hardest part, which is growing the business and scaling it to a certain level. And small business owners find this the same way. Um, if I'm a contractor and I start my business and I'm doing friends and family work and all of a sudden I've got a dozen customers, now what, right? Scaling that business is the hard part because I always found, you know, in scaling the business, you need to have discipline systems and technology to support you. And, and that's the stuff that people oftentimes have no idea what they're doing in. So I found, I found the book to be practical. Um, I found it to be kind of uh, more like a blueprint of, okay, you've made it past the initial part. That was the fun part. Now comes the really, really hard part, which is, which is scaling it to a level where it becomes, you know, a lifetime business. Yeah, and you touched on a couple of things that, that are key in my experience as well, which is the systems and the technology to help you execute on those systems. And that's what we've been talking about today with this technology. Um, I'm just curious in your experience, and you've done this before yourself, wh why do you think that we hesitate so much as small business owners to not just implement systems, but to apply the technologies to help us get more productive? This is an example we talked about with your system where it can bring tremendous productivity. What do you see as the reason? Because it's not its not really cost, right? The price point, as we just went through, is very accessible for just about every small business. 
what is it that keeps us from doing it often? It's habit more than anything else. It's breaking habits. Um, you know, it's it's really just people are just used to, <clears throat> you know, the habit of I'll get to the paper later. I know I'll make time for it and I'll be fine. And when they do, you know, they go through that paper routine and and it's it's more or less just a habit. It's how I've always done things. It, it's breaking that kind of breaking that habit really. And people won't break a habit until there's pain um, and there's usually some kind of a trigger that occurs and the light bulb goes off in people's head and say, I need to do this differently, whether that's, and oftentimes it's an IRS tax audit, um, <clears throat> or a business failure. And then the next time around they do it, you know, more intelligently. It's really just kind of breaking habit. The other thing is small business owners are usually extremely passionate about what they do and they know what they're doing really well. They don't know how to be business people. You know, if I'm a baker, if I'm a contractor, I'm a landscaper, I'm a whatever your small business is, a web designer, a professional organizer, they know that aspect really, really, really well. They don't know building blocks of business oftentimes, and they're not passionate about that. They're passionate about what they do for a living. You know, they want to follow the, you know, follow that, uh, you know, age old adage, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, guess what? You still have to work at some point. You still have to do the blocking and tackling or your business will fail. And they just don't know that. And, you know, it's, it's a hard thing. It's, it's a difficult thing to get people to change, you know, and habits are hard to break, um, in anything. So it's really just kind of reinforcing, getting people to break that habit. But sadly enough, it's usually the habits don't get broken until some painful event occurs. Agreed. Agreed. And unfortunately, sometimes that painful event is too, it's too far down the road to recover from, right? If I've got a major yep. cash flow crunch, uh, that'll Absolutely. kill my business. Uh, so that's where we, we've got to try to, as small businesses, always be looking for how to improve, which is a lot about what this podcast is about and applying these technologies. And, and you don't have to go all in, right? You can start a step at a time and start using these things to, to learn how to use them and how to apply them more broadly in your business. Yeah, and we just began. I'm something I'm, I'm actually personally quite proud of is we actually just started a new business blog um, that's 100% tips and tricks for small businesses to you know start and then grow. And we recruited in. Um, right now we're up to about 12 contributors, which are other typically other software companies that sell to small businesses. Some very well known you know, like Constant Contact for, you know, for email marketing of the world. And it's really just about education. We're all trying really, really, really hard to just educate small business owners about, you know, these are the basics that you need to, to have the function today in today's world. In today's world, if I'm going to have a deck built and I'm going to go out and invest, you know, $7,500 to have a deck put on my house, I'm going to do business with the person that collaborates with me, that's emailing me, you know, designs and we're going back and forth and I can communicate with really, really well. They're, everything's on time. It's not 20 years ago where the guy's showing up and, and sketching something out on paper it's just not that way anymore. And, you know, consumers are used to dealing digitally. So it's like in business, you know, I've taught this to many, many people over the years in trying to teach them how to change the way they market is that, um, don't think you're driving anything. You're reacting to the way customers want to do business with you. And anything that you can do to do business the way customers expect to have business done with them is going to make you more successful. So that's why I said like the collaboration piece is, is a big, is a big, win for a lot of people because people expect that these days. People don't spend time on the phones anymore. They text and, and they go on the web and, and, and they live in that 140 character world. And 
businesses in a way have to have to learn to adjust um, and, and operate that way as well. And while we're not, let's say, on the front lines of the front end communication, we're on the back end a little bit, but the customer experience goes until after the sale. So whatever experience you give to your customer, whatever you can do to make it a more pleasant experience, whether that's how we pass invoices back and forth and communicate back and forth digitally is going to just generally improve your chances for success. Absolutely. Agreed. All right. Great stuff, Kevin. Uh, so tell us where you'd like us to go online to know more about Neat, and then also the blog you just referred to. Where would you like us to go to find that? Yeah, so neat obviously neat.com you can you can go there and and right from the homepage get as much information about us and and the type of companies that use us and and our pricing and and how to sign up for it. We're predominantly a commerce engine, so you can pretty much go and sign up with Neat and have Neat running within 15 minutes. Um and again, it's at neat.com. Um, as far as the blog goes that I'd mentioned, it's called um, Small Biz Rising, and that's one word. It's uh, small, S-M-A-L-L, biz, B-I-Z, as in zebra, rising, uh, smallbizrising.com. And that's a collaboration of Neat and nine other companies right now, and actually that number is going to probably double over the course of the next month of contributors. Um, it's no sales pitches in there. Um, there's, there are some banner ad clickouts to, to the vendors themselves, but every bit of content that's in there is tips, education, best practices for how to, how to run a small business basically and grow it. So we're pretty proud of that. And, and I think that's going to, going to be a nice resource for, for folks for years to come. Absolutely. Good stuff. And so we'll have links to that, to the blog, to the website, uh, the book recommendation. We'll have all of that on the show notes page for this episode at the how of can find that all there. Great, Kevin. This has been a, a great conversation. I've learned uh, quite a bit. I think it's going to be of great value to our listeners. Thanks for taking the time to be with us and to share your knowledge. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Uh, great, great meeting you, Henry, and it was a good conversation. So I hope folks enjoy, hope folks enjoy the podcast. Absolutely. So that was Kevin Miller. This is Henry Lopez. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, We'd welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com.